Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Man, that was a hearty good morning. I like that. I like that. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to continue in our series today. It's week 3 in our series called Divine Interruption. Divine Interruption. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the whole of the Christmas story, the whole of the gospel is one big interruption on behalf of God. He broke the plane between heaven and earth and sent his son Jesus to come to this earth to be born, which is what we celebrate this time of year, to live and serve and die on a cross, to be buried, and three days later to be raised again to life. And that is God interrupting the world. And for some of you, I realize that might even be the phrase, that phrase, the title of this series might even be a little bit uncomfortable, but it really is true. He interrupted the world. And the truth of the matter is, is that God interrupts our lives to work in our lives in a variety of different ways. And he will continue to do that because he wants all of his people to come to know him as their savior. And my hope and my prayer throughout this series has been for you to hear from God and maybe to have some tools from God's word to be able to discern some of the things that those who were around the manger experienced when God interrupted the world. Things like fear, talked about that last week. How all of those people who saw the angel Gabriel, even the shepherds in, in many ways, there was some fear in their lives. How because of God interrupting the world and coming into the world and, and providing the Messiah, providing redemption the way that he did, there were some dreams that were unrealized. We talked about how sometimes we have unrealized dreams. And this week we're going to be taking a look at the fog of uncertainty. The fog of uncertainty. I don't know about you, I don't like to be interrupted in my life. I'm going to ask this question. Raise your hand. How many of you like to be interrupted? <laughs> Anyone brave enough to raise your hand on that question, right? None of us like to be interrupted, right? As parents, we find out very early in being a parent that life is full of interruptions. Am I right? Parents, is life full of interruptions? We're interrupted all the time. And one of the things that interruptions do is interruptions breed in our lives uncertainty. Interruptions breed uncertainty. And what we're trying to do in this series is, is go to God's word and find out how when God interrupts your life and when he interrupts my life, when, when we hear from him or when we sense from his word that he's calling us a particular thing or calling us to do a certain thing or calling us to become a certain thing, that when he does that, we are going to have interruptions, but we don't need to panic out of fear. We don't need to act with insecurity. We who are God's children, we who have decided to put our faith in him to be our savior, those of us who have decided to do that, we, we actually can be very secure when God interrupts our lives. But the reality is, is that often, often, interruptions breed uncertainty. And uncertainty, be, uncertainty can be in our lives like a thick fog where you can't see anything at all. You ever been in a thick, thick fog? Every once in a while around here, we have fog roll in, but we're nothing like New England. A few weeks ago, Cynthia and I took our 25th 
uh, a wedding anniversary trip up to New England, which is where we honeymooned up in Newport and New York City, all right? And so we took our 25th anniversary trip on our 27th anniversary year um, because thank you, COVID, right? So anyway, so we went to Newport and we were driving to, to Boston. Now, I love history and I haven't been to Boston in years and I was excited because we had a couple hours in Boston and I wanted to see some of like my favorite historical things out of Boston because man, there was, there's a lot that happened there in the formation of our country and there's so much that was going on there and so I was so excited. And, and so as we headed up to Boston, we weren't gonna stay a night in Boston, we were just flying out of Boston, but the closer and closer we got to Boston, the fog started building. I mean, like the kind of fog that slows down traffic, that kind of fog. We got into Boston, and you wouldn't have known we were in Boston except that we had really good seafood, right? <laughs> and the people that we were eating next to were talking about Logan International Airport, and so we were like, yeah, we must be in Boston, but you wouldn't know. I couldn't see any of the historical sites. There's no way we could have even done anything because the fog was so incredibly thick. We ended up spending the night in Boston. Thank goodness we didn't spend the night in the airport, but I'm way too old for that. But we spent the night in a very foggy Boston. We couldn't see anything. We knew there were buildings there because there were doors. But we couldn't see one story above us. It was that way for two full days, evidently. And sometimes when God intervenes in our lives, sometimes when he comes into our lives and he says, hey, it's time for you to live a different way, or when he says, hey, it's time for you to make a different career choice, or when he says, hey, it's time for you to uh, point out that this is wrong or this is right, and it's going to take some courage, and when he intervenes in our lives and shows us that there's a different way of living, sometimes when that happens, the fog builds in, and uncertainty is bred. And we begin to ask questions like, is this really God? Is God really leading me in this direction, or, or, or did I just have a bad meal the night before? Am I pursuing my, my, my own selfish gain and I'm just trying to manipulate what I think God might say so that I can get what I want out of life? Is it really him speaking? Is this really what he wants me to do? How can we know that it's God when we feel like it might be God? I want us to look at Luke chapter 1 because we're going to see that many of the people that were surrounding Jesus' birth, yes, they dealt with fear. Yes, they dealt with some maybe unrealized or delayed dreams. Yes, they were dealing with situations and facts and circumstances that were extraordinary. And how can that be true? We'll talk about that next week. But they also were dealing with this fog of uncertainty. Is this really you, God? Is this really a message from God? And it even begins at the beginning of the book. So I actually want to take a step back, and I want to look at verses 1 through 4 of Luke chapter 1, and I want to see uh, kind of the preamble, if you will, as Luke is writing his gospel. He says this in verses 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, 
just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the world have delivered them to us, excuse me, uh, ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It's a big mistake I just made. Verse 3, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. This is the person that he was writing it to, but of course he was writing it to the people of the first century, and God, God's Holy Spirit is, is, is giving us this now today. Luke was very careful, even before he began to write the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus, his birth, his burial, his death, his resurrection, his ministry, he was very careful to say, I'm writing these things in an orderly fashion so that you can know that this is true. Now, what do we know about Luke? What was his profession? Some of you know what Luke's profession was. He was a physician. He was a doctor, right? I mean, this was back in this day and age, Luke would have taken copious notes on each patient. He would have done a very good and detailed job of, of taking notes so that he understood what each of his patients were dealing with, and he would have been very specific, and he, would have, he wouldn't have been general at all. He would have been very, very specific. My seminary professors always tell me, you're just a little too general, I need you to be a little more specific. If Luke had gone to seminary, he wouldn't have had that problem. He was very specific. Very specific. And so God's Holy Spirit, I believe, inspired Luke to write this because Luke was someone who we can rest assured that the things that he's writing about did happen. We can have an assurance that it happened. And in fact, in verse 4, he says that. Here's the reason, Theophilus. He says, So that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. Realize Luke is about ready to write the story of the birth of Christ, and he's about ready to describe how this angel, Gabriel, appeared to a certain amount of people a certain number of times, and how wise men were coming from the east, and how shepherds saw the star, and how all of these extraordinary things were going to take place. This isn't the writing of a physician, right? We're going to talk more about that next week. It's not, it wasn't in the natural order of things, because God intervened. God interrupted the world. And Luke is saying, you can know that these things are true. I'm being specific. I'm going to be detailed. And I think this echoes something for us is that, and we're going to come back to this theme in a moment, that when in the midst of the fog of uncertainty, we can know because of the truth of God's word. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Let's take a look at the example of a few other people who are asking the question, how do I know? Verses 18, skip down to 18, Zechariah, we talked about the last couple of weeks, this priest who was about ready to perform his priestly duties, and the whole nation was waiting on him to do that. Zechariah, an angel appeared before Zechariah, verse 18. He said to the angel, I want you to say it with me, how shall I know this? He says, for I'm an old man, my wife is advanced in years, the angel had just told him that she's going to give birth at a very old age. And verse 19, he answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you're going to be silent and unable to speak, Zechariah, until the day that these things take place. Because you didn't believe my, what's that next word? Word, all right? He didn't believe the word 
of Gabriel, which will be fulfilled in their time. Verse 21. Not only was Zechariah like asking the question, how do I know this? How do I know this is God? How do I know this is real? The people who were waiting on Zechariah were asking some questions too. It says the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering, they were wondering, not wandering, they were wondering at his delay in the temple. This is what my family does every time I'm late for something and I am late a lot. <laughs> if they're going out to lunch or if we're going out to dinner or something like that, I'm always the last one to get in the car. And I've always forgotten my wallet or keys or something. You usually know the keys pretty quick. But anyway, something happens. And, and so the people are waiting on Zechariah. This is like if, if I didn't walk up here right at my time to come up here. You all would be staring in darkness going, uh, where's the pastor? <laughs> Where is he? What's he doing? And they were waiting, and they were wondering. There was this sense of what is, what's going on? And when he came out, verse 22, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs because, remember, he couldn't speak to them, and he remained mute. Mary sees the angel. She sees the angel. He lays on her this news that maybe have dashed some of her dreams, some of her goals, didn't meet her expectations. God interrupted her life in a remarkable way. Verse 29, she was greatly troubled at the saying. We talked about the fear last week. And she was trying to, say that next word with me, she was trying to discern. She was trying to discern what sort of greeting it might be. It says in verse 34 the, that Mary said to the angel, how will this be? How am I going to be the mother of the Son of God because I am a virgin? She's asking these questions, how will this be? She's trying to discern what is going on here. The fog of, of, of uncertainty began to fill into her life, and she's asking the questions that you and I probably would have asked, and many times maybe do, when our life is turned upside down because God intervenes and he changes our course, he changes our path, he changes our mind. He reveals that there's a life that we're living that's not pleasing to him. And all of a sudden, we want to know, is this really God? Is this really And it's okay to admit to God, it's okay to cry out to him and to realize that sometimes, sometimes his greatest work in our lives, it's going to look complex. It might even be confusing at times, and it definitely is going to be uncertain. But all the, the joy and the wonder and the payoff of living according to the way that God has instructed us, the way that he's told us, especially when he intervenes in our lives, when he interrupts our lives and stops us long enough to lovingly correct us or show us a different way or lead us in a direction that he wants. It's okay to wonder why. It's okay to ask the question, is this God? And what do we do? How do we discern if it is God or not? How can we tell? How will we know if it's God or not? I want to talk 
about that word discernment. Because if there was any word that described what we can do to, to kind of have that fog of uncertainty be lifted a little bit or be able to see through the fog of uncertainty, it's this word discernment. And if you're a Christ follower in here, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're following him, you have a gift of discernment. Now, there's a lot of thought that uh, discernment is also a spiritual gift, and I believe that it is a spiritual gift. But listen, I want you to hear, Christ follower, that today, I want you to hear this, that each one of you who has accepted him as your Savior, he has given you a spirit of discernment to know if it is him or if it's not to know the direction that you're supposed to go, to know how to make wise choices, to know what to do and what not to do in life. And I'm going to be really blunt, really honest with you for a moment. I think that generally speaking, the story of our own individual current spiritual conditions will answer the question as to whether or not it's God. If we're asking the question, is this God in our lives? And we are currently in a place where we have been spending time with him, where we've been communing with him, where we've, been, we've immersed ourselves in his word, we've been living according to his plan, we've been listening, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, we've been waiting and we've been listening and we've been learning and obeying. If we can say yes to some of those questions, then I think that we can say yes, that thing in your life that is moving you and leading you and guiding you, there's a good chance that that is God working in your life. But I want you to be warned because the opposite is true, and I've been in both of these places where the reality of the situation is, is that we haven't spent much time in his word recently. We haven't been spending time with him. We haven't been living according to his ways and, 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 and who he is. And, and something comes up in our lives and we think it's God or we maybe justify something that we want it to be God because we want to do that thing. And all of a sudden, you and I, as followers of him, are saying yes to things that are selfish and sinful and things that really aren't anything that God would want us to be. It's not any choice that God would want us to make. It's not something that God would want us to do. I think before we get to the messy part of like discerning whether or not it's God in our lives and where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do, there's a real easy kind of grid or I guess template or uh, litmus test that, that, that we can take ourselves to find out some of the easy parts of discernment. And, and it's, I'm just going to be blunt and honest with you. Here's the thing. I've had so many people in, in, as a pastor who come to me and say, um, God has called me to do this. And we have a conversation about it. And I very quickly realize this, whatever this is, is not anything that God would call anyone who's their child to do. And so if you are here today and there's a fog of uncertainty, I, I want to let you know right out of the gates, this is the part that's not hard to discern. I'll just tell you from God's word, God will not interrupt us to pursue sin. He will not do that. He will not interrupt our lives and guide us to a place where we will pursue sin. He will not interrupt our lives and put us into a place where we will pursue fleshly desires. He's just not going to do that. 
If he interrupts our lives, he's going to do it in a way that would lead us to be making choices and being people and having lives that are honoring and glorifying to him. So he's not going to call you to do something that would be pure selfish desires, nor will he interrupt our lives to hurt or harm others. I heard someone recently say, well, God called me to do this, and there's people going to be hurt in this. And I was like, that's not God calling you to do that. There may be people disappointed if you're choosing God's way. There may be people that wonder. There may be people that don't like it, but God will not lead us to a place, and he won't interrupt us to make a decision that hurts or harms others. He won't interrupt us to put his stamp of affirmation on living a way that's not according to his word. And so those are some of the easily discernible things when we're wondering, is this God in our lives? Or is it something else? If we want to know that it's God speaking to us, the best thing that you and I can do, Christ follower, the best thing that you, you can do, the best thing that I can do is to live a life where you are close to the heart of God. If you're living a life that is close to the heart of God, if you're hearing from him, if you're spending time with him, if you are in his word, if you are with his people, then I think what's going to happen is you will hear from God. Maybe not audibly, but indirectly. A few months back, we did a whole series on the, the landing lights of God's will in our lives, and we talked about things like wise counsel and scriptural confirmation and personal desire and outside circumstance and inner peace. And I, I want to encourage you, if you want kind of more on those things, go back. It was in May and June that we did that series. You can go back and take, take a listen to that. Justin and I taught on that series. But here's the thing. I've heard it years ago, and it's kind of corny and you know, kind of like just a, a little saying that sometimes these things are, are empty, but this is, I think this is a good one. We should never doubt in the darkness what we knew to be true in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what, what we knew to be true in the light. Like when we were in a better place spiritually back then, if we were in a better place spiritually and, and we were learning God's principles and learning from his word and kind of things were just kind of lighting up for us. Have you ever been in that place where things are just the, the light bulbs are going on spiritually in, in God's word? Don't doubt when you're in a dark time what you knew to be true back then in the light. What we're going for here is discernment. Discernment. Joseph Stoll said this about discernment. He said, discernment in Scripture is the skill that enables us to differentiate. It's the ability to see issues clearly. We desperately need to cultivate this spiritual skill that will enable us to know right from wrong. We must be prepared to distinguish light from darkness, truth from error, best from better, righteousness from unrighteousness, purity from defilement, and principle from pragmatic. I love that definition of discernment. Are you in a place right now in your life where the fog of uncertainty is really getting thick, thicker and thicker and thicker, and you're wondering if it's God? Three ways from God's word for us to know if it's God, this is how we can be discerning. The first thing is refer back to the confirmed sources of truth that you knew to be true from God's word. Refer back to the confirmed sources of truth. 
of the truth of God's word. So I, I grew up in, in church, and I grew up in youth group, and I, I grew up in a island kids very much like, like we have island kids. And our team, they do an amazing job. Justin and uh, you know, a lot of people behind the scenes, Josh and Cynthia and Savannah, they do an amazing job. And this is, a, I guess, shameless plug here, right? Parents, get your kids in there. Make sure that they're here on Sunday morning hearing the truth of God's word in a great and creative environment. Make sure that they're here Wednesday night for youth group and, and kids small group because they're going to learn principles that even if they stray from God for a while, when they're in the darkness of life, they're going to remember these are anchors in their life spiritually. And I'm so thankful when I'm in a dark place, I remember anchors, not from last week, nearly as much as I remember anchors that were established in my life when I was young, when I was in middle school, when I was a teenager. Sorry, I went on, on a tangent there. Anyway, that's just something. I just want to encourage you on that. Parents, make sure that your kids are in youth group. Listen, don't use, you're not going to church Wednesday or Sunday uh, as punishment. There are other things that you can use as the stick, okay? Use church as the carrot because these are anchors that will be built into their life. Okay, enough about that. Refer back to the confirmed source of truth. That's why, that's why John wrote in John 1, 4 there when he's talking to Theophilus. He says, I'm writing all these things so that you may have certainty. You may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught so, so we need to go back to the confirmed sources of truth. And if there's alignment with the confirmed sources of truth and what we think God may be doing, then maybe it is God. Perhaps it is God. But don't leave your own digging into Scripture out of it. It's the second thing today. Continually search God's Word. If you're in a place right now where you're really confused about going left or right, moving forward, taking a pause, career change, relationship change, continually search God's word. Don't give up on his word. Don't give up on searching his word and wrestling through your situation. The, the, the biggest mistakes that I have made in my own personal life as a Christ follower are the times when I was at a fork in the road or when I had a decision to be made and I didn't take that moment and take that, that incredibly vital time in my life and, and I didn't open up God's word right next to that decision and, and try to discern whether or not it's in alignment with his word. His word is so powerful. It's so powerful and it's so meaning in our lives. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the divisions of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow and, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Listen, we can't think that we can go through this life as Christ followers making decisions trying to figure out this life, trying to discern right from wrong, left from right. We can't think for a minute that we have the power to do that without God's word. It's vital in our lives. I'm going to ask you a question. This is for those 
of you in here who are probably like my age or older, but I guess I could apply to anybody. How many of you over the last year have traveled and used a fold-out map? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand quickly, but how many of you, if you're really honest, and it may just be a few of us, I love fold-out maps. Okay, thank you for, there are some people who are honest already. How many of you have used a fold-out map to travel over the last year? All right? Okay, thank you. I love old maps. <laughs> I love old maps. But you do know that nowadays we, we have maps that are much more accurate, much more up-to-date. You remember the map quest phase of life? You remember that? Like you type it in and you print out like a thousand pages to get to, from here to Raleigh. <laughs> Maps will tell you where to go. And you see, I think it's the spiritual equivalent of us driving to Raleigh this afternoon and not having any map at all when we ignore God's word and when we don't wrestle through God's word. Thirdly, ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Oh, we make it so complicated sometimes, don't we? Just ask him for wisdom. If you're facing the fog of uncertainty right now, you know what he wants from you? He wants you to admit that you don't know what to do. That's all, he, that's all he's looking for. Just ask him for wisdom. Ask him for that discernment. Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, and he says this in 17 and 18 of chapter 1. He says, the God of our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of, of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Hmm. Open up his word. Ask God for wisdom. Refer back to the source of truth. Those anchors that maybe you learned in a day gone by. See, church, I think that's where you and I in our spiritual lives can make some of these tough choices. And when we are asking those difficult questions like, is this God moving? Or is this something else? I think when we do those things, we can discern what God is doing. And the fog may not lift all the way, but it'll lift enough for us to be able to make a choice that we know is grounded and rooted in him and his word. There's an interesting story in, in the Old Testament. A prophet by the name of Elisha. Elisha was kind of crying out to God in this, this great moment. In fact, I, I wanna, we're going to do a whole series on this one, little, this one little moment in the Old Testament. But I'm just going to summarize it for you. He, he was crying out to God, God, I haven't heard you. I haven't heard your voice. It's like there was an earthquake. You sent an earthquake, and I, I thought for sure I was going to hear your voice in the earthquake. Like certainly the, the loud rumble of the earth would, would somehow produce the voice of God. I said, but, but I didn't hear it in the earthquake. 
And then there was this large, loud, rushing wind. And I thought for sure I was going to hear your voice in the wind. But I didn't hear your voice in the wind. And then he ends it by saying it was the still, small voice of God. See, this man of God found God's way in the silence. In the silence. And you and I, sometimes we are waiting for that mountaintop spiritual experience to hear from God, and it does come. It came from me at camp when I was about 16 years old, at retreat actually, not camp. Sometimes we're waiting for this, you know, we want to go to the concert because God certainly is in loud music with a band and some great singers, right? So, like, let's go to the concert. Maybe I'll hear from him there. Ah, uh, great speakers coming into town. Let's go visit and, and hear the great speaker, you know, uh, you know kind of open up God's word. And all of those things, I'm not, I'm not deriding. I'm not derailing any of those things. God can use the earthquake. He can use the wind. But you know where he's really going to speak to you personally? It's in the silence. Just you and him. And if you have decided to follow Jesus, you have access to the still, small voice of God. So as we wrap up today, we're going to practice this. Josh is going to come up, and uh, he's going to play the keys here for a moment. And I'm going to let a minute go by for you to practice listening for God in the silence. And for some of you, 60 seconds will feel like an eternity. Sorry. Some of you, I know you're hungry. I get it. <laughs> you're going to be thinking about food and lunch. But I'm just going to ask you just to hold back and take the, the next 60 seconds just to be quiet. And that fog of uncertainty that you have in your life, just see if God begins to nudge you in that silence. Father, would you lead us and would you guide us and over the next moment of silence may we practice what it means to get into a place to truly hear from you. May your Holy Spirit the Spirit of God who spun creation into being, created us, who brought redemption. May He speak to us personally right now and in those moments of silence we have in our lives. Speak to us right now, Holy Spirit.
if in your life right now the fog of uncertainty is particularly thick, I'm going to pray a prayer to end. It's a prayer that I wrote specifically for this message. I'm just going to encourage you to just quietly in your heart after I say these words for you to say them back to God. How do I know it's you, God? Help me to know if it's you, God. Help me to listen for you, God. Help me to do what I need to do to hear from you, God. And Father, in the uncertainty of our lives, I pray that you would hear our cry, that you would hear our prayer. That just like Mary, just like Zachariah, just like many of those who were on the scene during the Christmas season, asked, how do I know? Would you help us to know that you are the one speaking? Would we listen and, Father, have the courage to follow you? I pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.